Someone once said that the truth shall set you free and that reflection is the best way to move forward. And that's what we're going to do as we wrap up fantasy football week one and we head into fantasy football week two. On today's episode, we give you a touch of truth. Welcome to the meeting. This is Fantasy Addicts Anonymous. I'm Antoine Y. Slicker, your fantasy football mentor. Follow me on all social media at Y. Slicker. Don't forget, be true to thine self and earn your chip. Again, we're going to reflect on our week one performance. I told you guys before that I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to tell you the things that I got right, the things that I got wrong, and we're going to try to grow from that. Now, when I gave you the start sits last week, there were 201 possible options that I gave you. Of those 201 possible options, we correctly identified 133 of them. That is a 66% rate of accuracy. So right now, starting out the gate, we're 66% accurate. Is that great? I guess, <laughs> you know. <laughs> More times than not, you went out your matchup probably, you know. The same thing for me. In, I'm in a bunch of leagues, but as far as with my home leagues the ones that I play in every single year without fail. Not new ones that I just started up. But of the three leagues that I participate in every week without fail, I won two of the three matchups. So transparency is the key. We're going to talk about the things that we got right. We're going to talk about the things that we got wrong. We're going to reflect on these games we're going to reflect on the good performances. So this is how every Tuesday a touch of truth is going to occur. We're going to talk about the great performances, the great fantasy performances. And we're going to say whether or not this person can do this again down the line. Can they continue with this? We're going to talk about the bad performances as well. Can Are they going to continue to be basement dwellers? This is what we want to know. Also, those pr surprise performances that happen from people that we've never heard of. They just went off this week out of nowhere. Are they flash in the pan? Or can they sustain the level of play that they gave you? We're going to talk about all of that. And that's what we're going to do every Tuesday when I give you a touch of truth. Every single Tuesday, that's what we're going to talk about. You're also going to get the waiver wire episode where we're going to talk about those people who had those breakout performances that may be on your waiver wire. Are they worth a pickup? How much fab would you spend on them? Or would you even waste a waiver priority on them in general? So we'll talk about that stuff. All of this is redraft focused. Some of it, I will tie in some dynasty aspects. But for the purposes of these shows moving forward on a touch of truth, we're just talking about redraft and how we will move forward with the things that we're doing. We're also going to give you the injury reports on this episode of injuries that happened in the games from this past week on Sunday and Monday. So things happen during the games where people get injured. Are they? How are they going to be looking moving forward? Do we need to pivot and try to acquire players that will be taking their position that will also be on the waiver wire show but the injuries themselves the injury updates themselves will be within the touch of truth episode so let's get into that and let's talk about some of these injuries biggest injury one of the biggest injuries of course was in a thursday night game michael gallup high ankle sprain he's gonna be out they say four weeks, four maybe four to six weeks, maybe. Um, what does that do for the Dallas Cowboys? Well, their main targets in that game against the Buccaneers 
were Amari Cooper, who finished as the number one fantasy wide receiver this week, and C.D. Lamb. I suspect that that will continue. Will they slide Cedric Wilson into a role where he's going to get a few few more targets? Yes, but I think it's going to be dispersed between not just him, but Dalton Schultz, as well as Blake Jowett. So you're going to get those targets being dispersed amongst those three, as well as Tony Pollard out of the backfield, Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield. I think they're going to see a bump in targets as well. I also believe that Ezekiel Elliott, we'll talk about him a little bit more later, but I believe that he'll be able to run the ball a little bit more. I don't believe that they're going to continue to drop back and throw the ball 58 times. Yes, they seem comfortable with that, but I don't think that's really what they want to do. The Denver Broncos lost wide receiver Jerry Judy. He was carted off the field with a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out four to six weeks as well. What does that do with their pass catching options? Well, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, they get a bump up just like they did last year when Cortland Sutton went down. They're going to get a bump up. They're going to see some, some more targets. The, the ball will be spread around a little bit more. And hopefully Cortland Sutton, who didn't have a pretty good week this week, can work his way back into the rotation and start to get more targets like he was a couple of years ago. Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Washington football team. He went down. Suffered a hip injury, um, serious injury. They didn't put out a timetable of how long he's going to be out, but it may be for the for the for the entire year. To that point, Taylor Hankey is going to be the starting quarterback for the Washington Football Team. What does this do for their pass catching options? Terry McLaurin. Uh, Curtis Samuel, once he's off of IR, Deami Brown. What does this actually do for them? That remains to be seen. We have seen that Terry McLaurin can play with pretty much any quarterback that they give him. But does this lower his ceiling or his floor? We'll have to see next week. We'll have to see how that is. Um... I don't suspect that I wouldn't start Terry McClory. But, again, that's something that we'll talk about on the Star Sits episode uh, coming out on Thursday. So, as of right now, in the Touch of Truth episode, we're not telling who we're going to start next week and things like that. We'll save that for those episodes. But as far as with Terry McClory and the rest of the pass-catching options over there. It may lower their ceiling a little bit. We'll check out things as they progress here. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, they lost a couple of people. Um, they lost a linebacker, Trey Greenlaw. He was the one who intercepted the ball, uh, ran back in a touchdown on Jerry Goff, pick six. Um, he left the game with an injury. Jason Verrett tore his ACL out for the rest of the season. Uh, Raheem Mostert tore some cartilage in his knee. He is going to be out for about eight weeks. Elijah Mitchell, the rookie running back, drafted in the sixth round, came in, hit 104 yards on the ground. He played tremendous. Does this mean he's going to be the guy moving forward? Could be. But Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch in this game he did not suit up at all. Will he come back? Will he be involved in this? Those are things that we're going to have to look at as well. The New York Jets. LaMarcus Joyner got hurt um, in the secondary. The punter got hurt, didn't return in that game. And Makai Becton, their left tackle, out with the knee injury. He had to have surgery as well to clean up the knee. He's going to be out four to six weeks. That's tough for Zach Wilson, for the Jets. As Makai Becton, second-year player, big guy, and losing your left tackle who protects your blind side is never, 
Never a great thing for a young quarterback. But hopefully he'll be able to fill the void, change up the play calling, and, and be able to keep Zach Wilson in rhythm. I mean, it's not going to look good for him right now because in the game that they had against the Panthers, he was the most pressured quarterback this week. He was the most pressured quarterback. They sent the most blitzes at him, put most pressure in his face. And if they're going to continue to do that and teams are going to continue to rush him and not give him time enough to throw, Mekhi Beckton not being there is going to be that much more detrimental to their play calling and what they're trying to do moving forward. The Detroit Lions lost cornerback Jeff Okada. He is out with an Achilles injury, man. He ruptured his Achilles in a game this past week. He's going to be out for the rest of the year. Hopefully, he can bounce back from this injury and be the good corner that he was. I uh, believe he was a second-year player, but he was pretty, pretty good corner, man. Pretty good cover corner. Um, but hopefully, he'll be able to get back from this. Rashad Penny. Running back of the Seattle Seahawks. I know we say this every year. But he re-aggravated his calf. Um, he's going to be out. I believe they're going to put him on a short-term IR. So he's going to at least be out three weeks. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Um, for a guy who is always... Seems like he's always on the injury report. Seems like he's always injured. Hopefully he can he can get back. Um and be a viable asset to to his team. I believe we in the fantasy community have already given up on this guy. Um, it's just unfortunate. He just keeps getting injured. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Ertz left the game late in the first half. I believe it was the second quarter. Uh, he was ruled out for the rest of the game early in the third with a hamstring injury. So we're going to look out for that. What does that do for Dallas Goddard? Of course, Dallas Goddard is going to get more more of the target share. Um, if you look at the game, if you looked at the game, and you saw that they went in waves with how they were distributed in the ball and who they were targeting. They started off targeting Quez Watkins. Then they moved into this point where they were targeting Zach Ertz and Devonta Smith. Then they moved into, all right, we're going to get the ball to Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard. Then it was, all right, we're going to work Kenny Gainwell in. So they were. it seemed like they had a plan on who they were trying to get the ball. And Zach Ertz was a part of that plan. He was a part of the plan. He was getting targets he was getting work uh until he went down and then like i said dallas goddard picked up the slack so of course i believe dallas goddard is going to continue to pick up that slack without zach Ertz being there i stated this in my players to avoid earlier in the draft process to avoid him because to avoid dallas goddard because zach Ertz was there and he would be taking away work for him. And in the first half, this is how that looked. It looked like both tight ends were going to be involved in the passing game. But again, Zach Ertz went down with the hamstring injury. Takes a while for pass catching options to get back from hamstring injuries. But we'll see as the week progresses how the injury report looks for him. And if he's able to get back on the field. But for right now, Dallas Goddard is going to be looking good. It's going to be looking good. Um, other news there was that prior to this game, prior to the, the Monday night game, Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell were not activated from the practice squad. Will they be activated from the practice squad next week to help out with that rotation as far as the Ravens run game is concerned? Maybe. But. Tyson Wilson, excuse me, Tyson Williams, he played a tremendous game last night. He played really well. 
Yes, Latavius Murray spelled him a little bit. Latavius Murray actually poached a goal line carry from him and got a touchdown. But Tyson looked really good. He looked like he was competent enough to be the starter. They could have won this game um, if not for, of course, some mistakes made by Lamar Jackson. He fumbled the ball twice, um, which doesn't help you. Doesn't help you at all. And one of the fumbles was in overtime when they were moving to um, to try to, to win the game. So those type of things we're going to look out for again as the week progresses. And also with the Detroit Lions, I forgot about this. Uh, Tyrell, Will- Tyrell Williams, the, run- the wide receiver. He went into concussion protocol. Uh, he took a mean hit in that game. Uh, and he was really, really a little – he was woozy. He was a little woozy there, a little wobbly, um, trying to stand up. So he is in concussion protocol. What does this mean for the options over there in Detroit? I think Amrase Brown starts to get a little bit more involved. Um, he wasn't too heavily involved in this game. He did have a couple passes caught. He was on the field. That's one of the things that you want to see from a guy. He was on the field, but Khalif Raymond was also on the field a lot as well. So both of those guys, um, could see their workload increase if Tyrell Williams does not clear concussion protocol in time. Like I said, it, it was a mean hit, and it took him – I don't even think he got up on his own power. I think, you know, one of his, one of his uh, linemen or something helped him up, you know, but it's just one of those things where you don't want to see somebody get hit that hard and get hurt, uh, but – it's a part of the game. Um, so, like I said, we will progress through the week, see how he is, and if they're going to move forward with uh, one of the other guys. Like I said, Khalif Raymond, he, I think he played 75% of the snaps. Um, Amara St. Brown, played. I think he played over 60% of the snaps. So both of those guys were on the field when Tyrell went down. Um, and hopefully they'll lean on those guys, and we'll see which one of those are going to be good, uh, viable options for us in fantasy. But let's talk about now some of the surprise guys. So, you know, of course every week you have guys that come out and they ball out. Of course you have that. Every every week you're going to have some guys that's going to ball out. And what we do on the show, we talk about PPR. I don't do standard leagues. It's not my thing. I don't care for it. I don't care to try to predict who's going to score a touchdown. It's just not one of those things that is a clear indicator. Like I said before, Latavius Murray just coming in off the street, poached a touchdown away from the number one guy there. Even though you would also think that Lamar Jackson would take it in himself. It still doesn't work like that. You never know who's going to get that work as far as when it comes to getting touchdowns. Easy goal line carry. They could just decide, hey, we're going to bring in our big ass defensive lineman because he he caught passes in practice and we'll do a fake handoff and throw it to him over the top. Nobody's going to be expecting it. Ooh, look, he just scored a touchdown. Shit like that happens all the time. That's why I don't like standard leagues. It's too unpredictable. Um, So I stay away from those. I stay with my PPR leagues, and that's what we talk about on this show. So surprise, guys. Surprise, guys. That's what we're going to call them. Surprise, guys. They came out, they shocked us, they did their thing at the tight end positions, man. F- 
Farrell Brown finished as a tight end 12. He had 10.7 fantasy points. Now, a lot of tight ends scored 10 or more points. 15 tight ends, excuse me, 16 tight ends scored 10 or more fantasy points this week. That's what we look for in our tight ends. We want them to score 10 or more fantasy points each week because it puts us in contention for that position against our opponents. Of course, you're going to have those outliers. Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller. All of those guys are going to score over 20 points. Rob Gronkowski was the number one tight end overall this week with 29 fantasy points. Half of the people in, that I know didn't even start him because they had better options. Because you got them so late in the draft, yeah, better options. Some of us have TJ Hawkinson and Rob Gronkowski on our team. Some of us have Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski. Some of us have, um, you know, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, Darren Waller, Rob Gronkowski. Some of us had, you know, we, we some some of us had better options. We had Dallas Goddards. We had the Noah Fants, the Logan Thomases, the Tyler Higbees. We already had them on our teams, so we started them as opposed to Rob Gronkowski. If you started Rob Gronkowski, you won out. You, you won that position. He was the best tight end this week. But it said that Farrell Brown of the Houston Texans, this guy, he, he's, he, he finished as a tight end one. If you had him on your team, which most people didn't because you don't know a goddamn thing about Farrell Brown. I, I, I know you don't. But it's okay. It's okay. He is going to be featured on the waiver Wire show. So, yes, I'm telling you to go pick this guy up. And the reason why I'm telling you to go pick this guy up, it's not for shits and giggles, people. I'm not telling you to go pick him up for shits and giggles. The reason I'm telling you to go pick him up is because of what happened on the field. The guy was on the field for 76% of the snaps. Whenever they had a tight end in, on the on the game on the field, it was him. He was he played more snaps than Jordan Aikens. I don't believe this is co- is a coincidence. He was also targeted five times in the passing game, so he was on the field. He was being targeted. He caught four passes. 76 yards. I believe he would have had uh, another big catch, but it was called back due to holding. They had a few of those calls. But the thing about this particular game and about this particular offense is the offense that they are running is similar to what their head coach, Cully, ran when he was with the Ravens. Another big surprise out of this particular game was Mark Ingram, 26 carries. Well, why did he have 26 carries? He had 26 carries, one, because they were up 27 to seven at the half. They were up 27 to seven at the half. He had 26 carries. But he was the primary back in the backfield because Cully trust him to run this offense. He trusts him in his offense. He had him in his offense before. He trusts him to run the football. He is he he is going to continue to be the primary running back. David Johnson played a lot of snaps in this game as well, but he was utilized more in the passing game. He was also used in obvious passing situations when they needed an extra blocker in to kind of try to protect Tyrod. But Mark Ingram is going to be the lead back out of this backfield every single week. I truly believe that based on what I saw in this particular game. But Farrell Brown, good tight end, finished at the tight end 12. He was good in run support, run blocking. He was good. When they had two tight end sets, he could pass block, 
but he also leaked out, ran good routes. He caught four passes off of five targets. Um, so I believe that this guy, he can be a viable tight end option for you for the rest of the season. Um, cause Tyrod looked to check down to him as well. So that was good for them. Uh, tight end number 11 was James O'Shaughnessy from out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Chris Manhurts actually finished a little lower than James O'Shaughnessy, but it was because Chris Manhurts got a touchdown. Do I think that pass could have went to James O'Shaughnessy if he was in the game? Probably. But it, I, I didn't know what to take from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I it just their offense seemed a bit weird. They kept running James Robinson and Trevor Lawrence out of this shell type read option play. Like it seemed like every play they were running was they ran a shotgun. James Robinson was beside Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence would fake the handoff to him and read whatever the whatever his key was, whether it was the outside the 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 linebacker or the rush in, whatever it was, he would read that and read the middle linebacker to see whether or not he had a good target in the middle of the field. It seems like that's what they were doing all game which wasn't conducent to what James Robinson can do, which probably isn't conducent to what any of the other pass-catching options could do, i.e. Marvin Jones, DJ Chark. I mean, LaVisca Chenault played very well in this game. Um, He had a couple of big plays called back, um, but Trevor Lawrence just seemed to miss the other guys and his passes tended to float tended to to float high. He threw high passes. That led to interceptions. Um he even telegraphed one where he just stared down the receiver that he was trying to go to and that was picked off easily. But all in all, I think James O'Shaughnessy He's not going to be one of those guys where I'm going to look to see him at the top of this this every week or anything like that. Um, I think he is a pretty good tight end. But as far as what they're trying to do, I'm completely unsure. I really don't know. So I can't say that he's going to sustain this level of play, but I can't say that he's not going to sustain this level of play. He did have eight targets out there um you know but but was this because they were down and they had to throw a whole bunch they dropped back 51 times to throw the ball could that have been why maybe i mean but he was on the field for 80 percent of the snaps so could he sustain this level probably but i'm still not sure i'd have to see a little bit more out of them. Um, But as of right now, if you're saying, hey, I need a tight end, he's on the waiver wire, yes, pick him up. Uh, Juwan Johnson was the tight end five, 17.1 fantasy points. He did this all off three receptions. Three. Three receptions. He only had three receptions. Three. That's it. Two of them were touchdowns. Is that sustainable? We know that's not sustainable. We're not even going to sit here and act like it is sustainable. This is I.E. Robert Tunyon from last year. Robert Tunyon got a lot of red zone targets. He got targeted in the red zone. He caught passes in the red zone. He scored touchdowns in the red zone. But he wasn't heavily targeted 
in order for us to say, hey, I could keep playing this guy every week. Yeah, but last year you did play him every week. And he did you justice. Every week you played him, he did you justice, and you loved it. Is that going to happen here with Jawan Johnson? I highly doubt it. He was only on the field for 19% of snaps. Which means when he was on the field, he was only on the field for 12 snaps. 12. 12. When he was on the field, a quarter of the time, he was running around getting a pass in the red zone. But this is not sustainable. Not sustainable at all. Adam Troutman was on the field for 82% of the snaps. They talked highly about Adam Troutman and how great he is. He is healthy. He, he, he's, he's almost healthy. He's working his way back in. But for them to play him 82% of the snaps... Tells me that they still believe in this guy. Whether whether or not it's just having him on the field because he's great in pass protection. But they also targeted him six times. Yes, Juwan Johnson had a nice carved out role this week. He got two touchdowns out of the five that Jameis Winston was throwing. But this is not sustainable to me. I've told, and I'm going to tell you this on the waiver wire show, not to pick this guy up. Let somebody else go pick him up because he's going to be a headache for you. You're going to think he's going to be great. And then here comes Adam Troutman, who's going to do his thing as he was said that he was going to do the entire time. Now, going on to wide receivers. This one is going to be quick. We're going we're we're not going to, you know, break down every single one of these wide receivers and if we think they're going to be great, we're just going to talk about wide receivers real quick here. Wide receivers, wide receiver 3, Debo Samuel, 31 points. 31 fantasy points. I think I don't think that he'll be at that height again. Like that's his ceiling. But I do think that Debo Samuel is a viable fantasy option. You can play him with confidence throughout the rest of the year. Yes, Brandon Ayuk didn't play at all. Um don't know what's really going on with him. It was said that he had a an injury that he was working through. That's why he got downgraded to not playing. But they didn't say before the game that he was going to be limited or that he wasn't going to play due to an injury. Then there was some other conflicting report that said that he just got beat out in camp by Sheffield. Like, what? <laughs> And that he's learning, he's still learning how to be a professional. Look, if he was being punished by Shanahan for some off-the-field issues or some bullshit like that, just say so. It's fine. Um, But let the people know. Don't have people in the dark about bullshit like this. The guy is a tremendous football player. There's no way that fucking Sheffield or whatever the fuck his name is no disrespect to that guy. There's no way that he beat Brandon Ayuk out in camp. I'm not buying that shit. But, you know, if Brandon Ayuk is struggling, if he's dealing with an injury, if he's dealing with some off-field shit, just be transparent about it. Just say so. It's okay. We in the fantasy community, we just want to know things like that. We don't care if that's what you did. If you're punishing him for something like that, that is fine. But don't come out here and, and try to say that 
don't play games where you're saying that he was he was injured and whatnot. Um, wide receiver five, Corey Davis, twenty six fantasy points. He looked he looked good, even though uh, Zach Wilson was under pressure. I think him and Zach they have a bit of a chemistry there. Um, I think he is a sustainable. Um, wide receiver three, wide receiver two option. So if you have a flex play each week, depending on the matchup, I'd say keep keep rolling with them. Uh, Sterling Shepard, wide receiver eight, 24 fantasy points. Do I think he'll sustain this level of play? No, but he does have the opportunity being that he is a starter. He has the opportunity being that he's a starter. He has that opportunity, and I think that um, as one of the people who Daniel Jones has rapport with, he's going to continue to look for him um, because he knows him a little bit more than he knows Kenny Galladay. Now, I'm not saying that Sterling Shepard is a better receiver than Kenny Galladay. Please do not think that I am saying that. That is not what I'm saying at all. I am saying that Daniel Jones has more rapport with him than he does that of Kenny Galladay. Same thing with Darius Slayton. That's why these guys had more targets than Kenny Galladay within this game. That's why. But that is not to say that that is going to continue to happen. But I do believe... Because Sterling Shepard is on the field a lot more than every other wide receiver on that team, he's going to be a viable option for you in fantasy. So whenever you're in a pinch and you may need a flex play, you may want to bring him out. Uh, Wide receiver nine was Christian Kurt, 24 points. I think he is in the same vein. They were utilizing him and Rondell Moore in Big-time plays. They were targeting him deep down the field, and they were doing uh, all sorts of gadget plays and trying to get Rondell Moore involved in the offense as well. These guys, I believe, will be viable fantasy options for you depending on the matchup, or if you're in deeper leagues, you can go ahead and you can get Christian Kirk. Zach Pascal, uh, that game, when I watched that particular game, it was running back, running back, running back, running back, running back, running back, running back. It was heavy with the running backs. They were getting them rushes, passes, everything. I believe Zach Pascal got heavily involved because every time you turned around, Carson Wentz had somebody in his face, and he just had to get rid of the ball. And Zach Pascal was just – he was just there. He was just open. The guy was open. I'm not going to say that he wasn't open. Like He, he was open. Uh, but it was one of those things where it was like, man, you know, he was out there because, you know, he was open. He, he was getting the ball because he was open. Uh, he got open a lot more than Michael Pittman Jr., but both of those guys were the 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 primary receivers. They ran over 90% of the snaps, um, so they were out there, and – Zach Pascal, again, was getting targeted because every time you turn around, there was a defender in the face of Carson Wentz, and he just had to get the ball away. Do I believe that Zach Pascal will continue to be the guy who gets touchdowns for them? Now, I don't think that he's a, he, he's going to be a guy where you're going to say, let me get Zach Pascal. He had five targets, four receptions, 43 yards. I told you again that the reason why he was getting those passes is because defenders were bearing down on Carson Wentz and he had to get rid of the ball and Zach Pascal just happened to be there. Yeah, Just happened to be there. You know, but this offense was mostly ran through the running backs. Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, full go. 
Uh, Hollywood Brown finished as the wide receiver 17 with 19.4 fantasy points. He played pretty good. Played pretty good. Um, him and Sammy Watkins took the majority of the wide receiver snap. Excuse me, wide receiver snaps. And they both played pretty decent. Do I believe they can sustain this? Do I believe he can sustain a wide receiver 17 level? No. No. But if you need him in a pinch in a flex position or if you're in a deeper league where you guys have, like, mad fucking starting wide receiver spots where you got, like, three wide receiver spots and three flex spots, of course you're putting fucking Marquise Brown in your lineup. It just is what it is. At the running back positions, the surprise running backs. And we had the tandem of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift both finishing as the running back three and four, respectively. It's crazy. Both of them had 24, 25 points. I believe this happened because they were down by a shit ton of points trying to come back. That's what that was. They were down by a shit ton of points trying to come back. The 49ers were beating the living daylights out of these guys. And they just had to keep throwing the ball, checking it down in order to try to get back into the game. Now, I will say that in the first quarter and a half of this game. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift running between the tackles. They were gashing. They were gashing the San Francisco 49ers for huge gains. If they can continue to do that throughout the year, I believe this is full on. This is a full on timeshare. They are splitting carries right down the middle. They are splitting targets out of the backfield right down the middle. DeAndre Swift may beat them out a little bit. Might beat Williams out a little bit. But this is a full-on split. Some weeks, you are going to love to have these guys in. But I will put them in in negative game scripts. Where you know they're going to be down. This is not a good matchup for this team. They're going to be down. Let's get them out there. But if there's a game that you think they are going to win, which may be few and far in between, but if there's a game where you think they're going to be up and they're going to be beating their opponent, DeAndre Swift's not going to be for you. I'm, I'm going to tell you that straight up. I'm just going to say he's not going to be for you. Because strictly running the football, I believe they want to use – Jamal Williams a little bit more than they want to use DeAndre Swift. But both of them, 50-50 split right now. Uh, they both are viable options. Elijah Mitchell finished as the running back 13, 16.4 fantasy points for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Raheem Moster went down with that knee injury. After only two runs, Raheem Mostert looked really good in the two runs that he had, but obviously he got hurt. I didn't even see him get hurt. Like, he just all of a sudden just wasn't on the field anymore. And he was standing on the sidelines, and they were like, yeah, he's out. But Elijah Mitchell, is he going to be a viable option for you? I believe there are going to be some weeks where he's going to split carries with Trey Sermon. He's going to score some some touchdowns, just as it's always been with the San Francisco 49ers. You never know which running back you're going to want to start. So me, personally, I'm staying away from this guy. I don't really care to spend my fab on him. I don't really care to spend my waiver priority on him. But if you are in need of a running back, yeah, go for it. Now, with the quarterbacks, surprises. Jared Goff finished as the quarterback three. Now, again, could be because they were down. He did play pretty well outside of the interception that he had, I believe. Um, J. 
Jameis Winston finished as the wide receiver, excuse me, the quarterback four. He had 29 fantasy points as well. Five touchdowns, but he didn't throw for a lot of yards. Under 200, actually. Is that sustainable? Is he going to throw five touchdowns every week? Probably not. You know, without the five touchdowns, would he have been up to 29 fantasy points? Hell no. So I don't see James Winston as a quarterback one, but what I do see him in as a streaming option, you can probably stream him in good matchups down the line. Uh, Jalen Hurts finished as the quarterback six. Uh, he looked pretty good out there. Um, he looked like he had a handle on the offense. He knew what he wanted to do. He made quick decisions. Um, him and Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield is a real is going to be a real problem for the opposition. I think that the way they were running the offense with the read option, being able to get both of those guys out in the space, um, along with moving the pocket for Jalen Hurts so he could feel comfortable delivering passes. They they executed a pretty good game plan. Um, and I like what they were doing out there. So Jalen Hurts, I think that is, that is sustainable. Tyrod Taylor finished as the quarterback 11, 23 and a half fantasy points. Do I think this is sustainable for him? Nah. Nah. They were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those dudes suck. Uh, it's just, it's, it's whatever. But do I believe he's going to be a streaming option in certain matchups? Yes. Um, they play Jacksonville again, I believe. They're in the same division. So, yeah. You might be able to use them down the road. Um, and you might be able to use them in some you know, easier matchups as well because they seem to, again, be utilizing the same type of scheme that the Ravens use with the running and all that, and they got all these different running backs that can open up lanes for Tyrod to run as well as pass the ball deep downfield. Trevor Lawrence finished as the quarterback 12, 22 fantasy points, despite having two interceptions. Now, those this was, again, a game where he should have scored a lot of points because he was in a pretty good matchup against the Houston Texans. Houston Texans are not a good defensive team at all. Um, outside, outside of throwing those two interceptions, he did have a few issues as far as with throwing the ball a little bit high, missing his guys, um, and staring down receivers. Uh, if I don't suspect that they're going to want to drop back and throw the ball 50 times like they did in this game. Um, I don't suspect that that's what Urban Meyer wants to do. So I don't suspect that he'll be up at that particular level in most matchups. Do they play the Houston Texans again? Yes. Will they be in a matchup where they're going to have to throw the ball 50 times by a time? More than likely, yes. But I don't believe that the the mistakes are just going to be limited to just two interceptions if he continues to throw the ball high, missing his targets that way, or staring down defenders. Just me. Just me. Now, for the bust, the bust... The people who fucked up our fantasy weeks. The people who fucked up our fantasy teams. Of course, for the tight ends, George Kittle. Even though in my model, we're looking for eight plus fantasy points out of the tight end. That's what we're looking for. Because tight ends are, if you're not, if you don't have the big four or five, you know, the Kittle, the Waller, the Kelsey, the TJ Hawkinson. We sometimes throw Mark Andrews in there who fucking busted as well with five fantasy points. If you don't have any of those guys, you're looking to get at least eight to ten fantasy points from the tight end position in order to 
kind of save your week. That's what you're looking for. So we're looking to have that out of those guys. And, yes, we got that out of George Kittle, but we look for more with George Kittle. Everybody looks for more with George Kittle because he's one of the best tight ends in the league. So 11.8 points. You don't really like that. You don't really like that. You want more. Kyle Pitts. People were looking for him to have more. He had 7.1 fantasy points. Now, the things that I saw out of Kyle Pitts, I believe he could have had more points. And he should have had more points. He had a pass interference call that took away a long game for him. Um, He also had one where he didn't get both feet down in bounds. He did the college thing where you just got one down. I think he has to adjust to that. Uh, maybe adjust to he, – he has a little bit more adjustment due to the NFL level. But that was one of those catches where you got to get that toe drag swag going, man. Once you get that, you'll be all right. Um, he did drop one of his targets. Um, I mean, he did have a defender on him, but that dude was little. He could he, – you got to overpower them. You got to you gotta take that. You got to hold on to that. Uh, but he did catch a crucial third down pass uh, to move the chains. So I think that Kyle Pitts is still – I don't believe that he's going to struggle the way most uh, rookie tight ends struggle. Uh, yes, he's listed as a tight end, but he played a lot of snaps on the outside. He played a lot of snaps in the slot. Hayden Hurst was still on the field with him, uh, playing the traditional tight end role. So Hayden Hurst is still going to be valuable as well. And if they can get this offense going, the one thing that I saw with this offense um, as I was watching the game was they like to run the ball a lot now. Arthur Smith wants to run the ball and he wants to set up the play action like he did with Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and the Titans. I don't think that that works for Matt Ryan. I don't believe that he's comfortable because he was one of the people who shit the bed as well. Him, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley finished as the wide receiver 54. Matt Ryan finished as the quarterback 28. This is I'm gonna be honest. That is not how Matt Ryan likes to run his offense. I don't think that he's comfortable running the football so many times. Like they ran the ball a shit ton, and it took away from the rhythm that I believe Matt Ryan usually develops with Calvin Ridley with his other receiving options. You know, so I think that Arthur Smith is going to have to go back to the drawing board. He's going to have to look at that a little bit. Um, I mean, it went down as only 26 rushes. I think that's what it, they went down with, like 26 rushes. And I believe they dropped back and threw 35 passes. You you got to get... You got to get Matt Ryan a little more than that. I think Matt Ryan has to hover around 38 to 40, 45 passes a game in order for him to feel comfortable. I don't think the offense moved fast enough for what they were, what they usually try to do. So that was a bust. Uh, Justin Jefferson finished as a wide receiver 41, only gave you 12 and a half fantasy points. Mike Evans finished as wide receiver 74. Um, the entire Packers team busted on offense. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Smith, Aaron Jones. Is this going to continue to happen for all of these guys? No, I don't think so. Um, running backs, Najee Harris, 5.9. Him and Zeke, 5.9. They both finished as running back 40. Is this going to continue with them? Najee Harris, it's going to be tough sledding for him the entire year. Uh, The main takeaway that I have from their game is that their offensive line is still trash. They just just can't get it done. I mean, 
he himself, Najee Harris, he's going to have to give us more pop coming out of the backfield. There were two routes that he ran out of the backfield where he wasn't even looking for the ball. Like, you're running a route out of the backfield, bro. Like, look for the ball. And before he knew it, the ball was on him, and he just could only just reach one hand up to try to secure it and couldn't get it. But a couple of those passes could have led to interception if there were, you know, more savvy defensive players on the other side. Um, Not taking anything away from the Bills as far as their intellect as defenders or anything like that, but they're not – I mean, they're not one of the best defenses in the league, but, you know, they they do okay. Um, But those routes out of the backfield, and then he had another route where he lined up as a wide receiver. It was supposed to have been a crossing route. He was supposed to get the ball, and it looked like it was going to be an easy touchdown, but he ran the route so lazy that when he got it, the defender had time to catch up with him. Like, he put a good move on the defender and left him, which gave Big Ben Roethlisberger the, the window to throw him the ball. But because he, was, he wasn't he was really running the route at full speed, when he caught it, he wasn't able to get into the end zone because he wasn't running at full speed. If he would have been running at full speed, it would probably been six points. But, I mean, that's the only real knock that I had on Najee as far as that. It was just his, you know, work in the receiving game. But as far as his work in the rushing, just running the ball, he ran pretty well. He just, the offensive line didn't open up too many holes for him to be able to to do much with it. Um He's going to have to be the one who makes some guys miss, overpower some guys, truck some guys, hit a guy with a stiff arm. He's going to have to do a lot to create his own yards as opposed to them just blocking for him. So it's going to be tough sledding for him. Uh, do I think that he's going to continue to give us 5.9 yards of carry? Probably against good front sevens, he's not going to be that great. But when they get a weak matchup where the defense isn't that great at run 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 defense, then yes, he's going to be all right. Zeke thinks same thing when they get out of the, their own head of we want to pass the ball fucking fifty eight times. I think they're going to uh, do a lot better. Um, Throwing the ball 58 times is not winning Cowboys football. The Cowboys have not won passing the ball so many times. I don't know why they're they're continuing to think that this is going to work for them. Yes, they had the opportunity. They had several opportunities to win the football game against the Buccaneers. Uh, Greg Zerline missed a bunch of kicks. He missed a an extra point, field, a couple field goals that could have sealed the game for them. They could have won that game, but throwing the ball that much is not winning football for them guys. And and I think they should get back to you know running the ball with Zeke Pollard, things like that. Uh, Josh Allen also didn't have the greatest of weeks. Um, he did finish with 17 fantasy points, um, but I think that the Steelers. We're playing a defense that wanted to prevent the big plays. And they had a, a lot of, of sloppiness going on as far as with, you know, penalties and things like that that kept Pittsburgh in the game and kept them from winning it. But I think that Josh Allen is going to be all right as well. So there you have a touch of truth. We gave you all of the stuff. We gave you what we thought. Check out the waiver wire episode later on today when that drops on who you should pick up, who
who you should leave right there where they're at for the rest of them to go pick up that fool's goal. And then stay tuned later on in the week for the start sits. Because I'm going to give those to you as well. And don't forget to check out my other podcast, the Two Cents and Nine Cents podcast. Every Saturday, we're going to break down our predictions for each game as well as on our Tuesday episodes, well, next Tuesday, our next Tuesday episode, which is an all-encompassing episode. If you haven't checked out the Two Cents and Nine Cents podcast before, please go check that out. Search Two Cents, Nine Cents in your search bar, and that'll come up for you. Until next time, I will see you guys then. Be true to thine self and earn your chip. I'm out.